This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, welcome to the Rabbi Peretz podcast. Welcome. I'm, oh yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm on the road. Uh, we are in uh, New York in Brooklyn, Crown Heights, and I'm hanging out with my friend Ellie. Yay. Yeah, so, I'm I know. super happy to be super here. Super happy to be here. Yeah. Well, this is uh, the reason why I want to hang out with you is really just to be closer to uh, one of my biggest fans, your wife, Alona. And yes. uh, so shout out to always checking in on my podcast and always giving good feedback. Uh, Ellie and I met already a few years in San Francisco, yeah. and I thought it would be a tremendous discussion um, for the public to hear a little bit about Ellie's journey. When I met him, he went by Igor, and today it's Ellie, and he was a great part of my community, and also taught me a lot about, about a certain type of journey in the Jewish tradition that I think he can articulate in a way that uh, might be beneficial to some people you know, let alone to us just observing it, and that is the topic of conversion. I think it's a difficult topic because in Jewish tradition, it's one of the hardest type of traditions to take upon yourself and to go in. People start off with, I want to be Jewish, or I want to feel Jewish, but then when you really get down to it, it requires so much. And you took just an incredible analytical tech <laughs> and, uh, and uh, unique stance on how to get there. Yeah. So I would love to talk with it about you. So thank you for being here. Thank you for podcast. having me. I, I'm, I'm so happy to actually finally, you know, uh, meet you for such a long time. Yeah, I haven't seen you for a while, and uh, happy a to actually like you know uh, bring some light to the uh, to the journey I went through. As much as uh, probably my uh, you know description is going to be helpful to anybody, or maybe just interesting. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, let's th- let's start like this. When when we met, um, and you came to me and discussed like, oh, I'm interested in learning about Judaism. I want to convert. And I was like, well, I don't do conversion. It's not really what I do in my community. Like, take me back to that moment. Like, I know from my side, it was like, listen, people come to me and they want to convert. And I say, generally, that's not, the Jewish way is not to say we want, we're, we're not, we don't evangelize that way. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So, oh, and if you look in the books, the original rabbinical custom is to sort of push people away at first, like you're good enough as you are. Yeah. And when I take on this philosophy of like, everyone is good enough as they are and they have to grow within that. So when somebody says, I wanna be something else, my first response is always like, you don't have to be anything else. You need to grow within your own self. So we had uh, that conversation and uh, got nowhere with you. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I remember this vividly. You had this uh, office on the, on the first floor was like I, I was On actually yeah yeah I was actually blown away how nice it looked like. Oh, thank uh, you. First of all, you're you're the most uh, you know uh, fashionate uh, rabbi ever met, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, the the decoration of the office were amazing. That's that's the first thing by, which I remember. Besides, it was full of books, uh, which which felt amazing as well. And uh, we just we actually had a nice talk. It wasn't anything that you were saying. Oh, you know. Uh, don't do it or anything like this. I don't think you you were discouraging. All you said that you are yourself is as a rabbi not into conversion. You're not doing this uh, as a part of your you know service to the community. And it's uh, and to be honest, now after all these years, 
I understand way more than I understood back then. Um, first thing is that I now understand how big of a challenge is for both both sides to be that way. Like when you when you're going through the through through the process is is taking a lot of uh, energy and a lot of um, a lot out of you, but but you always feel like the people who are already Jews are like sort of on the other side. They already got it. They don't really need to do anything about it. And only after after you live some time as a part of the Jewish community, you start seeing that no, actually the people who are accepting you are taking a huge challenge on themselves as well. They they don't know who you are. Like you you come from the street, right? And uh, you don't know who that person is. You came from the street of, uh, of Amazon <laughs> yeah. uh, in San Francisco. <laughs> I, truth is, in when I first started being a rabbi, it took it required like certain like meditations to really be good at at meeting people yeah. because you don't know how you come across other people until you start meeting people all the time, and then you have to have the type of awareness to do something with that. So I used to do this meditation of each person that walks in, I would imagine a universe walking in, like a galaxy. And I'm like, ooh, a new galaxy. Because you gotta believe that a person has a story and comes from somewhere and has been through things, you know, and has gone through life. So I feel when I do that meditation right, even if it's just for the moment that when a new person's walking in, I'm like a new world, I know I'm doing a better job at greeting them and receiving them. So even if I say something like, I don't want to convert you. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, I got to say this harsh thing to you. I appreciate you saying that. No, it wasn't harsh. It was sensible. Okay, interesting. Nice. Uh, but take me back to there. How did you get to this place where you're talking to me on Lombard Street about being Jewish? Like, why why, why be Jewish? First of all, those kind of descriptions you, you give, that's exactly the reason why I'm, uh, I consider to be uh, happy to be your friend. Oh, like, this was just all of... Uh, all of the GLI classes we got together, you like half of it was just a material and half of it was parrots reinterpreting the entire universe around it, <laughs> which is which I think that's that's a, that's that's the thing which which kept me coming back. Um, but uh, the the journey probably starts was a very long time ago. I can't say that I was spiritual entire my life, but entire entire life, and I was very. Interested in Bible. Um, in the, I was getting very religious when I was six, and then it I relapsed, and then came back when I was like fifteen. I was really, you know, I was Christian. I was going to the church. I was actually uh, pushing my father to go to the church every Sunday. So uh, I felt really connected to uh, Hashem back then. The the thing is that at that time, um, Judaism for me was sort of I I. I had no knowledge except what I've read in the, you know, in the Old Testament at that time, right? And so, for me, um, in, in the way how it is presented was that uh, Judaism, Judaism is like phase 1.0, and uh, you know, Christianity is phase 2.0, right? Like it's a second book which makes all the difference. Um, and I didn't realize that what exactly that meant. I you know, I knew only about probably I, in my books the kosher means not not eating pigs at that time, and and I didn't know anything outside of it. And I, you know, the concept of Shabbat was reinterpreted for me as do no work, and and the work was interpreted as literally no work, like not right. not like set of 
whatever explanations there is, like all the 38, you know, big categories. But just just don't do the work what you yourself consider to be work, right? So, so you're like, you're fascinated with this stuff while you're going through schooling, while you're developing your own your own perspective in life, and also while you're developing your own skills. You're very skilled. Uh, let's what should we call it? Uh, programmer, program manager, yeah. tech, uh, technology expert. Yeah. You're so that skill's growing at the same time. How do they parallel this growth you're having at your your, your talents? While at the same time, you're also your spiritual discovery that you're making. Um, I, you know, t- technology is is uh, kind of it, it's kind of different. It's more of uh, what exactly you are, what exactly mission you have in life. What are the talents Hashem gave you, and how you, you know, bring them into the into the world through through what you have. Uh, and that's that. And the, the face was actually a base. I think that the face was actually the reason why you're doing this. Why you're not sitting on the beach, how you said before, and just you know drinking cocktail, pina colada, and enjoying your life. Like the the face is actually a big driver of uh, of of your of my life. And uh, so you're saying even reason, before you hit the Jewish journey, yeah. it was like having faith was a reason for tech. Having faith was the reason for anything in life. Like I, I the reason why it moved. Which me. city did you live in? Uh, where? And where at this time in your life? When this oh, is happening? Uh, in my hometown in Lviv, in Ukraine. In Lviv, in yeah. Ukraine. By the way, Lviv was the last town that my grandfather was in before <laughs> he left uh, former Soviet Union to make his journey to America. You so, should visit it. So it's we amazing. meet. So we meet up at this uh, at this <laughs> at this uh, sci-fi space in history. Yeah, you should totally visit it. They they renovated. It looks amazing. Can't wait. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe, maybe I am. I am where I need to be. I was um, where I need to be. I think. I think the the reason was that uh, when at seventeen, when I was uh, when I was very religious, I had a few friends, and uh, we were debating about end of world, about like a Christian apocalypse, uh, etc. We were really fascinated at that time how, how you know how teenagers thinking about big things only um and so uh and he was in tech as well like i met him when i worked at the software engineering company at that time so um and uh he he said he said to me the phrase which was don't talk to the jews because they're going to convert you yeah uh, like bring bring you on their side basically and i was like what's the reason and so um, even with all, all anti-Semitism in Ukraine, I was actually always fascinated by Jews because they felt like a group of people who hold each other's back. You know, like all the stories which people interpret, all oh, those Jews, sneaky Jews, one gets in, everybody gets in. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, <laughs> like I don't see anything wrong about it. Like, they're helping each other. Why this is a bad thing? I never could, I never could get the answer out of this. Mm. Uh, why? Why? I think that in a sense, it's it's a jealousy, it's like a perverted jealousy that other nations can like treat each other like that. I don't know. I, it's it's just weird. So this is something you're processing as <laughs> yeah. a teenager in Ukraine, <laughs> yeah. which uh, and you're saying straight up in your in your circles there was quite a bit of anti-Semitism. It's given. It's not even like specifically in my circles. Mm-hmm. Is just in different levels across the board, right? Like you wow. you just hit the the. The, the pockets, but it's so built in the culture that we get a Jewish present right now, right? That's so, I mean, I think that's a, that's such another conversation because I think as an American Jew I, I or a Jewish American, 
I very much take for granted that. I assume when somebody's anti-Semitic towards me that just they are, but overall, what do you mean? Everything's great. And like when you hear somebody says like, no, it's the other way. It's like, I assume when somebody's not an anti-Semitic, he's not, but the rest are. Yeah. That's like a really, <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's intense. And that's, and that's feeding into like all your conversations now about who are these people? Why am I attracted to them? Yeah, yeah, when, yeah. when everybody else is uh, pushing it aside. Yeah. So how do you get to the Bay Area? And how, and how has this journey continued with you as you moved to the Bay Area where we met? So um, just as a journey, I've, uh, I always was uh, fascinated with the United States. A software engineer was like, you know, dreaming about the, you know, uh, promised land of IT, right. <laughs> which is the Silicon The Valley. big time. Yeah, yeah, the Bay Area, the promised land and, uh, you know, flying cars, flying uh, cars. Steve Jobs walking around and all kind of things. Yeah. Um, and when, uh, when I landed there, I had this moment in time of my life when at some point I've, um, I was thinking a lot about death and wasn't thinking in the sense of like suicide or anything like this. I was sort of meditating on this concept because when you, when you're a kid, you're trying to run away from this. I'm sorry if it's getting dark. No, no, you do your thing, man. <laughs> uh, I've just meditated on the concept, what exactly that means. And so uh, at that time, I, I wasn't in a bad place. It was literally just thinking it through philosophically. And uh, I've realized that I need to dig out more into religion to understand uh, how this ties all together. And so I found myself uh, basically how usually uh, any software engineer is going about finding the answers, is Googling things, yeah. going on YouTube, Googling people deep talking dive. about it. Yeah, deep dive in, in, on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, asking Google, why, what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, but no, not really. Um, the thing is that um, it, it's, sort of, it's hard for me to like pinpoint exact moment, but I think it's... It was like opening. Um, it was it was like opening uh, the hydrant. You know, it's it it was like as soon as I was like, hey, I wonder what the rabbis are talking about this, and after that it just exploded. Like it just you know there wasn't just a little by little I was interested. It was so overflowing that I was like, wait a second, am I on the right side of this or not? I started digging more into Christianity. I'm not gonna go in details what I found, but basically it shook my, um, it got me into zone of a lot of questions with an answer I didn't like. And uh, in the end I was confronted with the one question, can I be dishonest and just go back? Can I just un you know, undo everything I got through those three months of research, which I went through? Uh, and ideas which I got in mind. Can I undo that and just roll how I rolled before? And uh, that's where you see <laughs> was was got it's me like here. once you know you know. I, I don't. Is that how it that, felt? That was my, that you, was my, you opened up the box. You opened up the doorway to a whole new dimension that you had to see through. Drinking from the river. That's that's how it was. Like I, it's. I, I feel like that's also like a like that's a tech person's way of saying like like. I know it's there, and I started it, so there's more for me to go there. I can't. It's like I think I always tell people in Silicon Valley, they have a hard time doing the same job again and again and again. <laughs> and the reason is, is because they know how much work there is to do yeah. that they could be using so many of their analytical skills yeah. 
in tech. So if they just have one position, doesn't matter how much they're getting paid at a certain point, they just can't do it anymore. Yeah. And I think I'm starting to see how that, <laughs> how that your tech and your Jewish life really came together over here. So yeah, that's why your answer of no wasn't actually like an, uh, an answer for me. It wasn't about, okay, Rabbi said no, that means I can go back. Like I couldn't, uh, that was my pitch to the Baden who converted me. That was my pitch to every rabbi I met. There's no going I, like, back. I, I just, I couldn't lie to myself. Like it was, it would be, I would be always, I felt that I would be always unsatisfied in the way that there is nothing physical that I could use it to plug it in. Like it wasn't, yeah. So how do you find Jewish community? <laughs> like what do you search in Google when you like wanted to like meet some other people? Uh, actually, that was a pure miracle. Uh, the common friend of mine got me into Moshe House. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a Russian Moshe House? There was a Russian Moshe House at the first... Uh, uh, at the first highway or uh, 19th Street in San Francisco, and uh, P Highway One PCH, yeah, Highway yeah. One, yeah, yeah, and uh, and I met there Vic, who at that time I didn't realize that he probably knew every Jew in San Francisco. Right, <laughs> he was building out the network. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Victor. Yeah, shout out to Victor. He's like he's he was the he was the Jew net of San Francisco at that point. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, uh, but of course I, I, I didn't know him from that perspective. I was like, I talked to him and that time he was, uh, he was learning himself, right? He right. was, he was getting deep, deeper into Judaism himself. And, uh, I was like, can you, you know, can you bring me along? I want to see how it's like, what it tastes like, you know, what's, because at that time I've already seen a bunch of different videos on YouTube by different rabbis, um, uh, different drashas on, uh, Torah, different perspective on, the. On conversion as well, I only knew that that's not gonna be just hey, I'm ready to convert, and they're like, okay, wow. here is your passport. Like I, I knew that's gonna be a journey, but to be honest, that's that's still very naive. Like it's it's like thinking that I'm I'm ready to climb this mountain. Somewhere half through the mountain, you realize that you weren't fully ready to this. Like <laughs> it's not it's not a thing. When I, to be honest, the to running forward, when I finished, I I I, I talked to my bed and I said, if you want to. Convince somebody to not convert, let me know. I'm going to help can, you out. You can help yeah, them I, At that time, I was ready wow. to pitch it to anyone. Well, I mean, I'll skip this for a second. Sure. Does, are there certain regrets that you have in this process? Uh, no. No. No, 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 no. It's not. Uh, what, have, what would you have done differently? I, I, nothing. Wow. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not about me. Like I just from from being from being the person from both sides, I have a perspective of the both sides, and I and I totally see the value of uh, of non-converts of of uh, of people of non-Jews sticking with their uh, with no height loss, sticking with totally different perspective. And now when I'm when I'm in Judaism, I see their value. I see what wow. they bring to the world. And that's why I can tell that that there is no requirement. There is no rush to 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 become a Jew. There is nothing that uh, if you don't feel like it's just that's how you are and that's nothing else can be done. Sure, but if if not, right. then is you this is this also an idea you use to like like how do you handle like friends who know you from before or family from before? Like how does that <laughs> is like is that is that something you tell them? Like what's your how do you 
how do you handle the two worlds when they come together? I'm sure they don't always come together because you get to live your life, but but I'm sure they do. How does that? How does that? How do you piece that together? I I explain them that that who I actually am, like the 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 this um, that this state of me is is that's what I've been before. That was my internal world, and now I have ability to practice in a logical way, which I can explain and defend. And I'm not afraid to defend it. I'm not afraid to be open about it. Um, and uh, I don't. I, I if if that's an issue, if that's not an issue for them, uh, I can show them how beautiful it is from my perspective. I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to convince anybody. That's not an advertisement. They totally understand. I'm just being open about what it is, and and uh, a lot of people. So, going going back when when we're talking about walking into the river, the one thing which was in where I was completely blown away as analytical mind, I felt that I'm an archaeologist who were discovering civilization of Atlantis, which are blooming. And living within the current civilization, like the the Jewish civilization was in, like in a parallel world, but in the same planet, and and it has such a different perspective that it's just blown away that it that those two can exist without anybody talking openly about or about majority of people are being completely ignorant about that other side of life. Like I've I've been blown away, like the amount of Things and perspectives and people and it's it's just just crazy. so once the world opened in this world that you <laughs> entered it just was more than you imagined it was more than I imagined a lot of people who from my from my previous life when I explained them all of the complexities and intricacies of Jewish life they're blown away as well they have no idea how it is that their perspective is the same um, ignorance as I had before when I when I start start going with this process it was weird people hang out with themselves only and uh, and they have Shabbos and they have and they don't eat pork that's that's it right that's it's it. like they're they're essentially would be regular normal people with some set of beliefs and worlds and faiths but then you enter the world and you find out that no they're actually just living this whole different type of perspective life from, yeah. that affects every single element of your life. It, it's like going into like uh, you know how there's the Atlantis. About I like the <laughs> I like the romantic notion, you yeah. know, which is a good example, right? Jews are compared to their sign is water and fish, partly because <laughs> of them being one with their source, the way yeah. the marine life is one with it. <laughs> nice. So I, I good Atlant. I like your uh, your soul like uh, uh, parable to figure that out. So I listen. Your journey to me has always been fascinating to me because it had the layers of like of like I I. Because I visited former Soviet Union several times in different areas, I always knew that there was this deep, like, uh, misunderstood anti-Semitic type of, like, they'll believe anything type of uh, background about Jewish people. So much so that Jews themselves introverted their own identity, so not have to deal with public realities. And then to go from there to America's one culture shock, to go from there to Judaism, another culture, to go to, like... To, to a full religious Jewish life is, and now you live in New York. Open, so open. like with an open, full living. You're right. You're, you're. It's, it's a whole. You couldn't, you couldn't have a bigger transformation than, <laughs> yeah. than the teenage life in Ukraine, 
and the and the and the uh, religious tech person that you are today in Brooklyn. <laughs> I mean, that is as wide a range as you can experience in life. Um, so I, uh, I'm, fa- I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated and I'm, and I'm also always been honored to, to stand there with you and be part of this journey. I'm like, I'm blown away. You're really inspiring to me. And, uh, so, you know, even after I rejected you the first time we met, <laughs> you kept coming. So like at a certain point you won me over, uh, and I, and I appreciate you staying in there because you, you bring some good light to the table and that's what I want to get to next. I want you to share some of your light, some of your deeper realizations with certain things that like, like, uh, that you, I think have a great perspective on, for example, like, uh, if you were to take me into like how you see now, what it means to keep Shabbat or Mm. kosher, like, how do you get from, from (laughs) where you were to where you are? I did last week a podcast on consent on consumption and the whole, and the whole, so maybe we should do kosher for this regard and, and on consumption, even with my explanations, I know that there is something missing, which is that I still didn't give a reason for kosher. I just gave a reason for mindful eating and being connected to everything that comes in you and consumption as a broader idea as well, what you breathe, where you are, the environment you're in. But like when it comes down to it, keeping kosher is way more rigorous and rigid. So take me through this uh, zero to 60 uh, um, of, of keeping kosher. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and like like what what did you think about it first? What you thought the middle ground was, and where you're at now, and then what would you advise somebody to get there? Oh, okay. loaded, loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Break pretty, it down in your own pretty, words. Pretty. I wasn't ready for the kosher oh. part, but okay. No, no, no. It's, we it's, could do Shabbat if you so, want. You so could do that, everything. You know. Okay, it. okay. Uh, let's have the next one Shabbat. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, the kosher part, I was totally not ready. Like it was, uh, it was less than not ready. Um, every time I've uh, I've read and I discovered something more about specific stringency, and the the thing is the the thing which you read in uh, in the books and documentation, and just overall across the board when you're not when you're asking opinion from uh, from rabbis, the thing which you need to understand that when they give you an advice book or or the rabbi, they're taking responsibility on on. Uh, uh, on your soul, like if if let's say they gave you a bad advice and they they allowed you to you traff because for some reason like right? non kosher yeah non kosher right so then they led they, you astray it's they, on their shoulders yeah so in the in the, they they're by by uh, you know by Talmud they they're there's gonna they're gonna be with you on um, you know in the in the court of uh, of a heaven and uh, they're gonna be taking partial blame for. You know, putting you astray from. Uh, so you're saying there's a tripped out <laughs> parallel universe yeah. where their soul is responsible. Like whenever yeah. you, I think by the way, like this teacher, is actually right? quite broad. Yeah. Anybody who leads somebody astray. Yeah. And and that means they didn't put the right intention in and didn't give the right advice, didn't say they don't know when they don't know any of that stuff. You you don't realize that that's part of the judgment of your existence. Yes. So so yeah, continue with kosher. <laughs> <laughs> and so. So I think the biggest actual challenge was to kosher the kitchen. Um, oh, so you're saying the rabbis give you much oh, harsher advice yeah, yeah. for everything yeah. because they don't want they don't want to deal with the the misunderstood or like doing it wrong. They're taking responsibility for you. So like in the lot Isn't of there somewhat of a challenge with that. Don't you think that is. rabbis like like you? I I understand that you understand their position, but like 
I don't live in a religious world and I have to accept that like I have to help the person at the level that they're at yeah. and not necessarily worry about like whether or not like if I if I'm in judgment for leading people astray I have to accept that as well yeah. like and I do maybe that's why I could live in SF and now in Venice but I'm saying like I don't see it that way and and I think this is specific to like especially when it comes to like an orthodox like you're saying a bet dean their own their own courts of law that they're way stricter because they're like we're not going to be a clog in the chain of accountability we did our part yeah the the other the other side that they know that you're working hard right now but as soon as you're over they're afraid that you're going to digress a little you know so once you know two steps we spoke about one, this we spoke about this when you before you met the rabbi I said listen I can't protect you once you go to there yeah. like that's that's like you got to have the resolve to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did they present kosher like to you that was that was so intense like this? I mean, first of all, the separation of a dairy and uh, and non-dairy that that the, some some utensils or some things uh, can be lost forever, right? Like you're talking about right, you knives. couldn't kosher. Oh, yeah. they told you to kosher your kitchen and you yeah. couldn't kosher everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you just throw away like half of the kitchen and then first few years you're making a lot of mistakes. Like uh, it's not that uh, I came by. I helped coach the kids. You you did you did a great job. Uh, you did a great job, and then another. another. It wasn't me throwing out my stuff. It was very tough to, <laughs> like uh, you know. I don't always like even when I kosher people's kitchens in general. I don't do a lot, by the way. Not a lot of people over the years in San Francisco so have asked me to kosher kitchens. I think there was just like two over all the years. Maybe <laughs> three, three, three. So. I think a lot of people just don't don't even bother with that, and a lot of families. We, when we met more uh, like uh, uh, you know Jews from from birth Jews or just religious from birth Jews, whatever terminology you prefer. Uh, it's easy because they, they grew up with it. Like like your family, for example, you don't eat dairy. Your fa- your your kitchen is just meat. No, my well, my home in San Francisco was like that for a different reason. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of dairy available. Yeah, but you So, you, but like my parents here, we're now sitting actually in my parents' kitchen and here's the dairy sink yeah. and this is the dairy counter mm-hmm. and that's the meat sink and the meat counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's two sets uh, sets of cutlery and there's uh and there's two sets of stove tops, see? Yeah. There's the meat, milk one and the yeah. meat one. It's pretty wild that it's like but this is quote the luxury of our times. A lot of people we can do, do this. this. A lot of people yeah, do. It's a lot convenient. of people have a just like meat kitchen. So you're saying you like okay, kosher, you read in the books, <laughs> yeah. we're going to eat kosher yeah. and then they're like eat kosher. Let's tell you about how the kitchen works, yeah. and you're like, "What?" Like, yeah, yeah, you're saying yeah. that's a- like, can I? So first of all, I was like, "Oh, so you can eat, you know, bacon, and you can eat." Right. It's bacon. not just the food you what can't a, eat now. Now it's like, oh, you got to remake your whole, all your instincts in the kitchen, all your utensils. Everything doesn't everything. seem to be, and then, and then specific order, and then you need to wait some time, and then this, this, and that, and like. So how did you get over that? Oh. Uh, slowly painfully uh what would you advise somebody today going through that like how would you how would you position this conversation and how would you guide somebody to becoming kosher today um i would actually recommend just try to do one kitchen like a dairy or meat choose one in the beginning and utilize as much uh, like especially at the start if you if you decided to kosher your kitchen at the start try to by very cheap cutlery and silverware because, <laughs> because and and specifically plates because you can kosher the plates you can kosher you know you can so you can re-kosher silverware by boiling it uh but, but you, knives are harder and plates knives, are harder don't buy don't buy 400 knives from japanese steel 
uh, <laughs> don't buy this, you know, the plates which cost another $200 or from, uh, what is the barn? Uh, you know, battery barn. Battery barn or something like that. Saying, wait till you become a bit yeah, of an expert. Yeah, if you need, if you need, if you need dairy. Sen do, sensible advice. Sensible yeah, just, and your second piece of advice is start with just dairy or just meat. Do start slow and do just one thing at a time. And like what about we, the psychology? Like how to get your mind around it? Like it's something you want to do, but it turns out, and this is general, I think, wisdom of like when you start something that you want to do and then you find out it's way more than you thought it, thought it would be. I, I think this is, I, I think there's two parts, right? One part is just um, something like uh, the, the part which is less, soul and more like a bureaucracy you just need to get into your system the thing which is missing is like imagine um uh imagine it, again it's pretty hard to explain but imagine somebody who who did dancing entire their life their 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 parents gave them to the school or like uh violin right playing and they 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 they, they somebody started playing violin when they were four years old and they were playing entire life, and now you're joining their, you know, their band, and you start, you, you decide to learn how to play violin. For them, a lot of things are in the level of muscle memory. Memory, they don't even think about it. They're just right. pretty much the part of how things work for them. Period. That's like laws of kitchen, like physics. Not even like it's a physics of a kitchen, right? They don't think about you. Don't think about gravity, right? The same way they don't think about. This plate goes here. This sponge goes here. Like that, it's just it's just there. And uh, for you, it's a muscle memory which you need to get over with. And, and first of all, you're gonna do a lot of mistakes. So all of it is is wow. grind, right? Wow. In some sense, is it's just physical grind. But the sole part of it is that now all of this mundane thing, you you can experience something they don't. And and that's that you. Um, while doing this man mundane things and transitioning, right, you are actually experiencing more thoughtful process of man of of those things. You're actually thinking now about um, how the things are organized in your kitchen. You think about what exact food you're eating, what the combination of things you're using. You're you're getting into the higher level of um, basically conscious. Uh, consumption of the food and uh, if you're even if you don't believe in any voodoo stuff you need to appreciate the the level and depths of um, of being mindful about things that, that's pretty much how everything is about right now right every every athlete right now is about mindfulness about you know saying but climbing this mountain of kosher it's like all of a sudden everything when it comes to food and kitchen and preparation there's it's 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 it, it it's predicated on a constant mindful connection of what's being consumed and how it's being consumed. Yes, and it's somewhat liberating because like it's <laughs> it's relate it's it's that part is relatable. We all want to be more conscious about things. <laughs> you just don't get any time off. It's like all the way all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and I, I mean, this is the, the, and the, the another thing which I which I need to mention. It's all like when you when you kosher your house, that just in your it, it takes so much, and uh, when you went through this this exercise for like a few years, you think that okay, I'm 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 cool, I'm I'm done, right? Right. And then it hits you. You have another parts of your life which is traveling and work, and those parts because you're an animal which needs to eat few times a day. Right, you 
you need to be mindful about Lao entire your life. Like that's where the challenge of of wow. Judaism comes in. You realize that oh, that's not just like an addition to my life. No, this is my life now. This is there is like it's this the Judaism is bigger than your life before. Mm. That's uh, I think that's an incredible thing to observe. It's like you're seeing your you're facing your life. <laughs> yeah, of life. you're changing your life basically right. completely. You're, well, I try to do this idea that this meditation that like I hear saying I hear things, I see things, I smell things, I have talents, but ultimately I am something beyond all that. That's to me how you get to soul, and I think what you're saying is that when you choose to convert and become Jewish, you all of a sudden have this, like, there's a new version of you that's observing your life now, and it's like, wow, the life I was living was just a sum of parts, and I have to totally overhaul that whole experience, and it's like a whole new set of, of clothing and gears and things, but then when it comes to, like, Judaism, it's like, no, that now you're looking back from those parts and, like, no, no, there's a, there's a different part of me entirely that is that, and I have to come to terms with that. It affects everywhere, my home, my work, my, like if there's no, it's yeah. not clothing that I'm wearing anymore. It's now me. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it, and it's interaction with other people. Like you get invited to the non-kosher restaurant, right? You, you travel somewhere which doesn't have any kosher food at all, or you travel to a place which you don't know. Like you travel to Germany, I don't know what's kosher there. Or, how, or, or you travel to somewhere else, how do you know what's kosher there, right? Wow. And so, like those kind of things, which before for you, for anybody was just like, I'm just going to go and do. Like right. you never had a second thought in your life. Now you have this entire new level of thinking about everything in your life. And, and that's, you know, that's, uh, that's challenging, right? It's not something you, you knew before. Amazing. Uh, I want to talk about Shabbat. You want to talk about Shabbat? Yeah, tell really me. Tell me. Yeah, Shabbat. yeah. I want you to tell me. No, keep going. Keep going. Uh, You're doing great. I've, I was very, uh, to be honest, Shabbat was like um, a thing which, uh, which was one of the biggest sell moments for me, uh, for uh, to to be a Jewish. Uh, I've even wrote a small like manual kind of brochure called Digital Shabbat, for people to just practice day offline, like in simple words, right? Wow. But it, unplugged and pl- unplugged yeah but it's it's totally different when for for the jews shabbat is this um unmovable i wouldn't say a wall but this is this is unmovable point in time which happens every week and you cannot do anything about it it's it's a thing which just happens to you like shabbat is is like a saturday which happens to you right and and before it was just a saturday and now it's a point of time when your life is before Shabbat and after Shabbat, like like it's such a big thing. Wow, it's such a movable part, and and that's why I've I mean, just being the person who can do anything every day of his life to become a person who's like now the Yom Tovs and Shabbats. You are you are a Jew, like. In other days, you can dress whatever you want, do whatever you want. No, not to do whatever you want. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, right? You somewhat, you're living your life. You're working. You have a somewhat uh, normal human existence. Yeah, and then you have a Shabbat <laughs> when you're a Jew, like you're a double Jew. You, the Talmud says, you have a you have a second neshama coming right. coming to. So now 
now you're like becoming a super Jew at Shabbat. And, and, and that would usually mean that now we can fly outside of the you know, atmosphere and uh, shoot the lasers out of your eyes. <laughs> but what it converts into, no, you now have ability to be completely unplugged and not do the stuff which everybody else is doing. Like it's an opposite of freedom, but it has such a, it's, it has so many different layers. It's so hard to explain. It's like, it's like exp explaining to the fish what it's like to, to breathe outside of, of, the, of the water, right? It's, first of all, it has, um, it, has it frees your mind because now you, you forced yourself to, to not distract yourself. And when it frees your mind, it's a, it's a 25 hours long meditation. Uh, like people paying money to go in silent retreats and all kind of stuff in the Bay Area, it's so modern and stuff. You have this every week. Right, it's the time off every week. When people talk to me about uh, tech today, they're like, oh, how do you manage it, this and that. I said, listen, I try all types of things to manage it, and I try all types of things to manage it with my children, but my leg up on all of it is that even if it's not a good week, every single week there's a 25-hour period where it's, it's not even a challenge. It's just <laughs> yeah. off limits. Yeah. The kids don't even ask. It's, it's not yeah. even an option. Yeah. And we're just completely outside of that experience. And then even on Friday, we're preparing for that experience. So it's like my mind is not wrapped up in my tech also for almost another day because it's wrapped up in like, am I prepared? Do I have food? Do I invite people? Does everything together? So I, I totally agree that it's like uh, on the one hand, it's, there's this restrict restriction of like there's a world and then for one day a week, there's no world for you. You're in a new world. Yeah. And then there's the unlimited part of like where there's a day where you're not going to be bound to anything physical either. That's why you're saying the sensation of like you're like soaring with lasers in your eyes. You're yeah. in a day-long meditation. You're in that. So both people who've never kept Shabbat and people who've always kept Shabbat <laughs> don't always have the right like, like center of like how to approach it. Because if they've never done it, they've never done it, yeah. so it sounds crazy. And if they've always done it, they don't have to work as hard to get there, especially if you've done it your whole life and in a religious community, so everyone's doing the same thing. So what was it like taking this on from your perspective? And, uh, and like, and like uh, what's the, I, I love that you wrote a manual for somebody <laughs> to get there. Yeah. Uh, anybody can reach out to me, word at rabbiparrots.com, and I'll forward yeah. you uh, the manual. It's more, um, it's more like non-orthodox manual. It's like a more, it's like for everybody. It's not a limit to how to become. I'm glad you wrote it before you <laughs> became this guy in New York, you know, like, so you still have that freshness. Um, no, I, I, yeah. I think that's why, I, I think that's why, uh, that's one of the reasons why your well, conversions take years. You have time to like slowly, gradually got into this. What I, I how I started at first, I've, uh, I've decided that I'm gonna just hike every Saturday. I'm gonna do a hike. I'm gonna right. do something with my life when I'm gonna meditate on the beach, maybe, or just walk around with the headphones, listening to audiobook, or do something which I don't do. Like don't do computer one day, right? Right. So I started pretty pretty low. I still did the uh, the thing is that I never was addicted to the phone. Like I don't have a problem of like sticking to the phone every five minutes mm -hmm. uh, for another dose of uh, dopamine. Uh, but I had the, this problem with laptops. And so uh, on the Shabbat, I started with just not doing a laptop and slowly got into idea, okay, now um, let's try to do it without the phone. And that, that was like a huge change. That was pretty challenging. 
to going right away and I realized that I can do Shabbat alone and that's what everybody every rabbi will tell you that never do Shabbat alone invite people in go with them like go to somebody else have and so I started inviting friends for long walks have philosophical walks I finally start getting like a deeper conversation with people getting into mindset of spending more time that's I've spent so much uh, when I met my future wife we had beautiful Shabbats. Like that's that's pretty much how I convinced her to observe Shabbat. Like it's we had such a nice experience. So here was, you were having to convince your now girlfriend yeah. to keep Shabbat. <laughs> uh, well, well, I, I mean, think we need a second podcast <laughs> for for her story. Yes, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, that that, yeah, that yeah. deserves its own attention. Uh, the the truth with Shabbat is you need to create the incentive, right? So like nice food, good rest. You know, and uh, and something nice in a nice conversation, nice good thing people. you enjoy, good people, uh, something you enjoy. Like it's a, it's imagine like I don't, the the problem is I I think right now in in the modern generation. Then when I when I when I was young, right, like my I had my first phone like cell phone when I was fifteen, maybe maybe sixteen, and before that I didn't had any access to like internet, etc. I don't I don't had I actually I didn't had internet for another maybe year. Um, and so, um, when I think about Shabbat, that for me reminds me how I was a kid. Like I've, you know, I would spend the entire day just running around or walking with my friends, just appreciating, or older, just having day, right? Be- yeah, because I couldn't do anything anymore. You know, I couldn't break Shabbat at the time, even if I wanted. I mean, maybe if I flipped the lights, but I, but I wanted to hang out outside of my parents' house so much that I've spent, you know, you know. Entire day just that's pretty deep stuff because step one of Shabbat, just step one, is like appreciating the perspective of life independent of all the modern elements of life, just getting binary. And for you, it takes you straight back to childhood. And, and we're talking obviously the pleasant, yeah, freedom of that. Of that, and I guess there's also stage two, which, which I'm sure stage two is something that goes your whole life, and that is you know, what new emergent type of identity comes from keeping Shabbat, like a whole new, yeah. like it's like, and the kosher on some level has a new identity because you consume it all the time. But since you consume it all the time, it's sort of like, it, it, you have to look back over years, but Shabbat, like really quickly, yeah. you have a new identity. Yes, yes. And, uh, but, but to be honest, I, more and more, I feel that, that Shabbat is actually bringing a second soul. Like mm. I feel uh, during the day, uh, just spiritually during, during this, the morning chakras, during the, you know, mincha, um, I feel very uh, lightened up. Like, even 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 the times where I wish I can, you know, that it ends faster because I want to, like, like, I feel the niche to, like, because I, you know, I did something and I really want to go back and write it down and I can't. I, I still, I still feel elevated. I, I feel, I feel elevation when I go, when I go in Shabbat and I feel slow, gradual going down during Sunday, like yeah. it's it's a different. It's a, as I said, it's like explaining the fish how to breathe. It's it's very hard without experiencing it. It's how would you experience? How do you explain meditation? Oh, you just sit silent and you think, and you getting less stressed. That's not it. <laughs> it's just that's just very you know. Like it's learning to focus on what's real and what really really gets us going. I think. It's a day long meditation. Like how? Can, how? I, I would say, I I'm, I don't want to take sure. your words as much. So you'll tell me if sure. you're feeling. But it's sort of like, how do you explain what health is? You know, unless you're when your body talks back to you, it's because it's hurting. 
Yeah. You know, when you when your body doesn't talk back to you, it's healthy. It's quote all in sync. So for me on Shabbat, like the world's not talking back to me, the text's not speaking to me, like I'm getting to a place where I'm not cut off, I'm plugged in in a different way. I'm not unplugged, you know, from tech, I'm plugged into the me that 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 speaks to me and that just being plugged into yourself is nurturing. Like you have a soul, a soul means you have a place that's really always flowing and is always alive and has energy. There's a place within you that's never been you know, molested by the outside world. And then you find that place and it always rebirths energy. So to me, meditation is trying to find that place. The Hasidic way of meditating, for example, is to take an idea and take the idea all the way to the furthest end. Because whether you're clearing or whether you're taking an idea to the end, what you really is trying to go to a place that is, is, is separate from everything else that's going on. And Shabbat is separate from everything else that's going on. It's separate from the world as far as time and space is happening. So, so that's that's exactly one of the cell points of Judaism. Like, what, that's exactly what what got me so interested in, like this mindfulness and deepness of every spiritual experience. Like the the thing which the the thing which I didn't couldn't got anywhere else was just listening to you right now, right? Like mm-hmm. listening to how how you explain what is Hasidic meditation, how you go back, how you envision, the, how you, you know, pray with Kavad, like all of those details, they, they just don't exist outside of the Judaism in, in that form, in that, in that deepness. And, um, and, and or that, at the minimum, you, ha- you didn't find it anywhere. You were looking <laughs> other places, you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing. Like when I, when I first, uh, you know, when you read things about Shabbat, it's like, Oh, you like the answer. The first answer: Why Jews do Shabbat? Because God said so. That's pretty much what Talmud says. That's right. that's your first response, right? And then you, people ask, so what? What? What exactly it means? So I, they did. You, need you to have relate. to work. It's almost like you need to work towards that because as bodies, it's like believing in God is great if you believe in God. Yeah. But to just believing in God because you believe in God is very limited. Let's say a person says that they believe in God because they can't believe this world did not have a cause or, yeah. or, or a conscious energy of sorts. Where is consciousness from if there wasn't a conscious energy type of thing? Like, like uh, hence there are philosophers that say it's consciousness that bred matter, not matter yeah. that bred consciousness. Yeah. But, but essentially what they're saying is it's some sort of agnostic approach. And even if you have a believing approach that there is a God... To come to the idea that there's an actual personal relationship with essentially an energy, because yeah. there's nothing anthropomorphic, nothing physical about God, to come to the idea that there's an energy that's in love with you and built the whole world for you to be in a relationship is really how we're supposed to see our own relationships, that there's we're two energies that are in love with each other, our bodies get in the way. Like, I can't, I don't touch other women that aren't my wife, but for me, it's also like I'm supposed to have a relationship with them, but not in the physical, because the physical relationship is reserved for a specific area. We can can talk like, we we can can talk forever about like benefits of social. So, but instead of benefits, you're right, benefits (laughs) of social. But for me, the the idea is, to me, the idea of, of what being Jewish is, is to come to a place where your relationship to God is not a relationship to an idea or a force, but a relationship to that everything that you have was curated for you to express something unique. It's like, 
It's like the first relationship to have with God is that it's like a parent that just wants to see you be successful. But the next level of relationship is to see it as a deep relationship where we're each rooting for each other to have the deeper realization. And what does it mean to root for God anyways? Does God need you to root for him? Well, it's, it, it goes both ways. If free choice dictates that we have to feel each other choosing each other for the relationship to exist. That's uh, that's actually a thing which uh, uh, I talked to my friend on uh, on the Shabbat uh, on the past Shabbat uh, that we uh, m- my perspective in a lot of sense that I feel that the um, uh, you know God actually that the reason why why we were created in this world is and this world itself was for us to bring Hashem in right and the the way how we bring it was described in in the Torah, right? And but beside this, we always had a mission on improving this world and in making it. And there was a good way of making it, and there is a bad way of making it. Mm. And the the godly way of making it is done by us doing those decisions and uh, and, and living on our mission. That's why I said before that uh, the the Judaism uh, is is a base of of uh, being an engineer or base of being anything else is is executing in your talents and improving the world using your talents it's not just sitting and uh, and uh, praying 24 7 you you need to do something that's the same as rabbi said just go and do stuff he would always tell people oh you feel tired here's something more like that if you if you have time and enough time to tell me that you're tired you have time do 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 something more, right? So I that's why Rebbe resonated with me so much because he was the he was doer, you know, like he was the guy who said we need to move the needle. Like it's we're past the time of just talking. Well, maybe we're past the time of talking. <laughs> that was great. Um, uh, thank you for sticking out with me here for uh, for this time and and sharing some of your story. I I think this is just uh, the surface level because can imagine the years of actual labor and hard work and and psychological development and moving forward and we didn't even talk about the maybe the more important half of the story is meeting your your wife and your Oof. other half and and getting married and and sort of taking on a lot of the religious obligation together and yeah. and how it affects you guys and then you're moved to New York it's an incredible story and it's very inspiring better and half so, of my life the better half of your life so this was, uh, I thank you for being here. Thank you for thank having you me. for sharing with us. And uh, always look forward to getting to see you. I always look forward to see you. It's such, okay. every time it's, a, it's amazing, it's amazing uh, discussions. It's very, very deep discussions. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Paladin Studios. Feel free to drop us a rating on iTunes or wherever you like. And of course, once again, you can email me word at rabbiparrots.com to reach me. Or of course, if you want any, if you have any questions for Ellie, all the best. Bye. Shem Ta